year the fair uh, comes to town, and uh, lots of us like to go and ride rides. And um, you know, my favorite's the zipper, the one that goes zip, 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 and the tilt whirl uh, are my two favorites. Uh, what are you, what's your favorite ride at, at the fair? Or at session stand by the pilsen? Yeah, the dropping one. Leslie likes the uh, Ferris wheel. All right, anybody else? Got one? Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the rides that they always have, and uh, the big ones at the amusement parks like Six Flags and Dollywood, different places. The roller coasters go up and down and twist around and. Uh, I don't like those; they're too scary for me. Uh, and uh, but hey, that's, uh, but a lot of people do like them, and those are always the longest rides uh, at uh, those parks. You know, sometimes our Christian life can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. Sometimes we're up high on the top part, and other times we're you know speeding down, and other times we're doing loops and corkscrews. Uh, by the way, I don't think that's how God desires for our Christian life to be, but that's how it is. And that's how it was uh, even in the Old Testament for Isaiah and uh, the Israelites in that day. Uh, and so that's what we're going to take a look at uh, today in Isaiah chapter 63. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. It says, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not lie. And so he became their savior. In all their affliction, he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. And in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, and so he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. And he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they may not stumble. As a beast goes down into the valley and the Spirit of the Lord causes him to rest, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. Look down from heaven. And see from your habitation, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your strength, the yearning of your heart and your mercies toward me? Are they restrained? Doubtless you are our father. Though Abraham was ignorant of us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from everlasting is your name. O Lord, why have you made us stay from your way, stray from your ways and hardened our heart from your fear? Return for your servant's sake, the tribes of your inheritance. Your holy people have possessed it but a little while. Our adversaries have trodden down your sanctuary. 
You've become like those of old, over whom you never ruled, those who are never called by your name. And uh, here Isaiah is, we're in the, the homeward stretch in Isaiah, uh, is reminding us of why Israel was going to find itself in uh, trouble and why they were being judged and, and punished. And yet, even in the midst of punishment, reminds them that God is merciful and loving and gracious uh, toward his people. And so we find some important things about uh, God and our relationship with him uh, here in this chapter. And the first is this, that God's mercy envelops us. Uh, it surrounds us. In other words, uh, Isaiah begins here in verse 7. He said, you know what? I'm going to mention God's loving kindness, his mercy, his grace that he sheds on us. And we find that throughout uh, this chapter, uh, and the next one is, it kind of continues along this thought, that God is all around us, God is aware of the situations we find ourselves in, and sometimes those situations are of God's working, God's sending judgment. Sometimes, though, it's just a result of our own choices, and sometimes it's not even a result of our choices. Sometimes it's a result of this fallen, sinful world. Uh, we live in a world that is fallen and full of sin. It, you don't have to look far to understand that and be reminded of it. Uh, that there's so much hatred and evil uh, all around our world. And yet, despite the craziness and the evil and the darkness of our world, God is still there. And God is around us. And God reminds his people that he's even with them, even when they're going to be carted off to a foreign land as slaves. And even when God's promised land, the land of Israel that God had promised them, would be trodden down and God's sanctuary would be destroyed. Uh, even through all of those bad circumstances, God's mercy surrounds us. God knows his children and he loves his children. God's loving kindness is great and mighty. It's never ending. He's faithful and he, he reminds us that here in this chapter, when we're left to our own devices, it leads to trouble, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but that God is always merciful, and God is always chasing after us and looking for us to come back to him. And so David said it this way, God, where can I go to get away from you? You know, Thanksgiving, we spent time with family, and at Christmas time, perhaps, we'll gather with family. It's nice to, to be around family, but there's time we just need to get away, don't we? And we need some quiet and some, uh, some peace. Uh, God understands that, and God is with us even in the, the mess of our lives. He's with us when things are going good. He's with us when things... Are bad. He's, he's with us even when it seems that everyone and everything is against us. God's still for us. 
And that's the message here of Isaiah chapter 63 and 64, is that God is for you. And God is fighting for you, and he wants you to return back to him. And he reminds us there will be some that will not. There will be some that, that grieve the Holy Spirit and continue to grieve the Holy Spirit, even as God gives loving kindness and forgiveness and mercy, that there will be some that won't receive that. And so God's mercy is all around us. But secondly, not only is God's mercy enveloping us, but sin's curse ensnares us. Isaiah 63 reminds us that, you know what, yes, God's loving kindness is great, and God has done all kinds of great things, and he shed his mercy on us. But what does he say in verse 10? They rebelled and grieve the Holy Spirit. And you see, left to our own devices, when we program God out of our life as the children of Israel had done, and as we often do even today, we get so busy and we are doing so much and we're relying so much in our own power that we program God right out of our lives and right out of our day. And the reason that happens so easily and so repetitively is because of sin's curse. That, you know, what we are, you know, this world is cursed by sin. Uh, the result of sin separates us from God. Uh, it keeps us from being able to know and enjoy the life that God has intended for us and the life that we were created for. It has uh, reared its ugly head. And the children of Israel were reminded of this. And by the way, many thought, you know, because it had persisted for so long that they'd gotten away with it. They said, hey, listen, God must either be okay with it, or he doesn't care, or we've, he doesn't know about it. We've gotten away with it. And we're, hey, we're good. We'll, we'll go to God on those festival days, but on the regular days, we'll handle it ourselves. And that's how they lived. And I tell you, there's a lot of Christians that live life that same way. That we think that, you know what, we can go to church on Sunday, and as long as we're in church on Sunday, that we can live like we want to the rest of the week. Well, that's not the way it works. You can't live for God just on Sunday morning. You have to live for God every single day. And you need him every single day because you need his mercy and you need his grace every single day because this world is filled with sin and, and, this world is, and sin is trying to rear its ugly head in your life even as a child of God. That, you know, the Bible says that Jesus put uh, the, the, that penalty of sin to death and we are no longer chained to sin but... Sin likes to rear its ugly head in us. And the only way we can defeat that is not in our own power, in our own will, in our own strength, but in God's loving kindness and his mercy and being near to him every single day. You know, uh, we don't have to come to church every single day, but we do have to go and, and we need God working in our life every single day. We need to pray every single day. We need to be in his word every single day. We need to be thinking on the things of God every single day. 
Why? Because we need God every single day. When we forget that, we are headed for trouble, just like the children of Israel uh, you know, began to think, you know what, maybe we don't really need God every single day. Maybe we can do okay on our own. And what causes us to think that way? It's sin. Sin is enmity against God. Listen, Satan does not want, in our carnal nature, the, the, you know, does not want God to win, although ultimately we know God wins. Satan doesn't want him to. And so he fights with everything he's got to keep us from accomplishing and realizing the full redemptive potential we have through Jesus Christ. And so sin's curse can ensnare us if we're not careful. As God's children, we do not have to be caught up in the traps of sin. But oftentimes we are. And when we are, it's because we've neglected our relationship with God and we're trying to live on our own devices. We're trying to live in our own power and our own strength and in our own directives when really what we need is God's loving kindness and God's directives and God's peace and God's strength because it's so much greater and instrument, you know, it's unfathomable compared to ours. Listen, chances are you have some pretty good abilities. All of you have various gifts and, and different things that you're very good at. But there's nothing you're better at than God is. no matter how good you are at something. And we must never forget that. We must remember every single day that, yes, sin is still wandering around in this world, and if we're not careful, we'll get trapped in it. We'll get ensnared in it. Peter says that the old devil is like a, a lion roaring about, seeking who he can devour. That's what Satan's desire is. His Satan's desire is to destroy you. Because he knows he can't destroy and defeat God, but he knows he can hurt God's heart by defeating his children. And he will go to any length he can to try to knock you off course. And the only way you have any hope of overcoming and defeating that is a relationship with Jesus Christ and allowing God to rule your life every single day. And understand that, yeah, even in the midst when things don't go my way, or even when things don't turn out the way I think they should, or that things seem like they're not fair, that I still depend on God. Why? Because His loving kindness is great. And there are times when circumstances in this world can discourage us and make it seem like God is so far away. Um, and in fact, he, he mentions that here in, in some of these verses. In verse 8, he said, where is the God that led his people out by Moses' hand and has done all these things? Where is that God? Well, here's the thing, and this is what Isaiah wants us to remember. It's not God that's moved. God's the same as he's always been and always will be. 
And so if there's a change in that relationship and there's distance, it's not God that's moved. It's us that's moved. And the answer to fix that is not continuing along the wrong path, getting further and further and further away from God. The answer is realizing, you know what? I'm walking further away from God. I need to repent. I need to change direction. And God, when we take that first step of repentance, God brings us the rest of the way and bridges that gap of distance between us and brings us back into fellowship with him. But sin's curse is very real and ensnares even God's people. We have to realize that we fight against the world. We are not of the world and we are not of the things of this world. And we're not to love and chase after the things of this world. We're to chase after the things of God. And so God's mercy is all around us. God knows where we're at. He knows our heart. He knows our struggles. And he loves us and shows us great mercy. But then the second reality that Isaiah reminds us we have to remember is that sin's curse ensnares us. It traps us. It it wants to destroy us. But then the last thing that we want to look at this morning is redemption's promise encourages us. You know, God, it seems that you you were there, but you, you're not there now. Um, it seems like you're far away from us. And so, in verse 15, uh, begins a prayer. I said, God, would you come back to us? Draw us back to you. Work in us. Look down and see your people. And move in us again. Help us to hunger and thirst after your mercies. You see, we'll have a hunger of either the things of this world or the things of God. And the hunger that becomes greatest is the hunger that we feed. And so if we have that hunger for God and we're feeding that hunger, that hunger becomes greater. And we want more and more and more of God. The opposite is also true that if we feed that hunger of sin, that we want more and more and more of it. And more and more sin only brings more and more destruction and more and more heartache. And so Isaiah reminds us, you know what? You are our Father. You're our Redeemer. He said, the zeal, your zeal and your strength. Remember, he's talked a lot in this book of prophecy about the zeal of the Lord. And who was it that said it, who Isaiah says, the zeal of the Lord? is going to work to perform the redemption of mankind. It's the Messiah. It's pointing to Jesus. It's Jesus is the one whose zeal would help cancel sin's curse and its power that it holds over us so that we don't have to be ensnared by sin, that we can break free from its clutches and find redemption and new life and hope in God. And so he says, you know what? 
everything around me seems that you've left, but God, I know that you're there and you're watching upon us, you're looking down on us. Continue to move on your people. Isaiah understood that not everybody that was of the children of Israel were actually God's people, that there were some that had hardened their heart from God and that they had turned their back on God and they were never coming back. But Isaiah also knew that there would be this small remnant that would turn back to God and would again say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to direct my path. I want to know your loving kindness and your mercy. Your holy people have possessed this promised land but for a little while. The Assyrians and the Babylonians were going to come and they were going to take the promised land and they were going to destroy all that God had built. In fact, they were going to destroy even God's house. But that was not the last word. And so Isaiah has, throughout the 66 chapters in this book of prophecy, he's held out this promise and this reminder that redemption is sure. And that should encourage us to not lose heart and not lose faith, but to lean upon the Lord, to trust Him, as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 remember reminds us, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And so Isaiah gives us uh, similar reminders and assurance that God will deliver. He said, assuredly, you are our Father. We know that you're there, and we know that you are almighty. We know that you're loving and kind and merciful and gracious. We know that to be true, even though what we're experiencing right now does not seem to point us in that direction. And so Isaiah says, remember God's promise of redemption, that yes, the kingdom maybe was taken away for a time, but it was going to be restored. And in fact, remember what God promised to David was not an earthly, temporary kingdom, but an everlasting, eternal kingdom. And so, and eventually that, that kingdom, that nation would return. But then it would go away again, and then it would come back. It's like this roller coaster that God's children are oftentimes on, up and down and up and down. But Isaiah reminds us there'll be one day where there won't be any ups and downs. There'll be an upward climb to glory. And that we'll spend eternity praising God and living with him and in his glorious light. And we'll fully know his loving kindness and his mercy. And so Isaiah says, listen, don't give up hope. Don't you know, give in, don't keep doing wrong, wandering further away from God, saying, well, I'm already on the wrong path, I might as well just keep going. Sometimes that's what, uh, you know, our, our mind tells us, well, you've already, you're already on the path, you might as well keep going. If it's the wrong path, it's, get off it. And get on the right one, no matter how far you've gone down on it. And so Isaiah reminds us that, hey, listen, our Christian life is not supposed to be a roller coaster. It's not supposed to be ups and downs and corkscrews and loopy loops. 
our Christian walk, our walk with God, is intended to be an upward climb, that we're heading toward heaven. That our minds be focused on God and his loving kindness and his mercy and his strength and his forgiveness. The things that don't come from the things of this world. Things that only come from eternity. Things that only come from the eternal being that we call God. And Isaiah knew and understood that the ultimate fulfillment of this promise would come in a Messiah. And it would take a few more centuries after Isaiah for that promise to be realized. But nearly 2,000 years ago now, that promise was fully realized in a little town called Bethlehem. And it reminds us that God is always with us. If we're tired of the ups and downs, it's because we weren't made for ups and downs. We weren't made for this world. We were made for a relationship with the Almighty. So God reminds us through Isaiah 63, three important lessons, that God's mercy envelops us, surrounds us. Sin's curse ensnares us. But redemption's promise should encourage us. That yes, things are evil and this world is evil. But guess what? God is good. And his loving kindness endures forever. And the hurt of this world, the pain of this world, don't last forever that ultimately one day victory is assured. You know, victory in Jesus is not just a hymn that we like to sing every now and again, but it's something that God intends for us to live in our Christian life. But we can only know it. And Isaiah reminds the children of Israel they could only know it by knowing the one who could give it. And it wasn't the king of Israel. And it wasn't the priests of Israel. It was the God of Israel. He was the one that was able to provide those things. So God will help us and encourage us with this message. That, hey, listen, yeah, things in this world do seem mighty bleak sometimes, but God ultimately will win. And God is always with us. He knows where we're at. He knows our difficulties. He knows our hurts. He knows the things that bother us, the things that we struggle with. And yet he loves us. He says, you know what? You come follow me and we'll fix it. So together, Jesus said, all you who are heavy laden and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Messiah that Isaiah said was coming. And the Savior that came in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Savior that's coming again. Just like he came the first time. So I hope God will encourage us and challenge us with that message. Let's stand together this morning. We'll be dismissed um, for Sunday school. And uh, I thank you again for those of you that were able to come and participate in our float yesterday. We had a great time last night in the... uh, uh, parade, 
and uh, so this afternoon after church we need help tearing it apart uh, so if everybody will stay and help a few minutes it won't take no time at all to uh, get it put away and uh, so uh, appreciate that and uh, Wednesday uh, night we're going to go caroling so I hope you'll cut plans to come and join us uh, for that Brother George